In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books, the funny and feminist book podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is a special Broads and Books bonus episode. Today, on the Broads Talk Books with, we've got Anna North. She is the author of Outlawed, which is out now, and The Life and Death of Sophie Stark, both of which we've recommended. A two-timer. Two-timer. We've got a two-timer. Two-timer. Erin, you brought her to my attention, and now we're both heading up the Anna North fan club. It's a lot of responsibility. It is a lot of responsibility. I haven't really um, done anything so far besides just, you know. Fan out. That's what the fan club's for. That's it. We fulfilled our responsibility. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. All right. It's not hard to like her. That's good. No. Yeah, that's a good point. We got Anna on Zoom and she told us about a unique way to maybe actually like Moby Dick. Which blew our minds. Did. Yeah. Some terrific fan interactions in the pressures of reading right now. And of course, as always, so much more. So much more. We put all the books that Anna mentions in the show notes so you can add them all to your TBR pile. And now here's our interview with Anna North. When you were growing up, Anna, did you have a particular favorite book or author that you remember? Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think back on this um, because I feel like I went through different stages as like a little kid and then like a slightly less little kid. Um, I got into like sort of grown up books fairly early. And I think that's because my dad would read to me a lot. And I remember like this long period where we only read Sherlock Holmes. Um, So we had this like collected Sherlock Holmes. I was so big that like I couldn't actually lift it by myself as this giant thing, like like probably like five Bibles is so big. Um, And my 
dad would read to me out of it. Um, and I kind of like learned a lot from it about like structuring stories. I ended up um, way later, like when I was in college, I actually wrote my honors thesis on Sherlock Holmes. And my idea was that like, in some ways, Sherlock Holmes is like a literary critic. Like he picks up these clues and he like reads into stuff. Um, oh, Sherlock wow. Holmes is really weird. <laughs> They're very, like, yeah. it's not like if you watch Sherlock, it it is faithful in certain ways, but like also doesn't capture the like full weirdness of these stories. He yeah. was an early literary critic. That's fantastic. I know. I love that. I never thought of it through that lens before. Yeah. I mean, you know, he picks up, he picks up clues. He like reads people. Like, I mean, his like trick, right. Is like someone shows up in his office and he just like looks them up and down. He's like, Oh yes, you must be a stonemason from like this section of London. You have two siblings and whatever, whatever. But it's just like a parlor trick. Cause it like has nothing to do with the actual crime. Um, you know, but it is this sort of like act of like, close reading in a way he's looking at like the soot on the guy's boots and you know whatever like a little cut on the person's hand it's fascinating wow well one of the things that we've talked about a few times on the podcast and we hear a lot from listeners is that they may have encountered a stumbling block in their reading life because they were introduced to a classic maybe too early or it just didn't grab their interest at that time um one that amy and i have discussed (laughs) at length is moby dick that we both struggled with that as a classic do you remember, is there a classic that you struggled with? Definitely. I mean, so Moby Dick is a funny example because I never like made myself read that and I, I never had to read it in high school and then I didn't get assigned to read it in college. So I just oh. became a grown up writer without ever having read it. And then when I had my son, um, yeah, no, I mean, I like I never had touched it. It was so intimidating. Then when I had my son and he was like a newborn, I was like, okay, I'm nursing this newborn. I'm uh, luckily enough, you know, I was able to have maternity leave. I didn't have that much. I mean, I like nursing him constantly, but don't have that much else to do to occupy my mind. So I started like reading aloud to him. And I just read all these books. Like I read the, like the full Odyssey. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to read Moby Dick any other time than when I'm like basically trapped in this house. So I'm going to read this child oh Moby God. Dick. Um, I had to do a lot of like content warnings. Like there are parts where I was like, okay, buddy, like this part is racist. Like we weren't like, this is actually not okay. What he's going to talk about. I skipped like a couple things, like just flat out skipped. Um, but he's now read Moby Dick. So um, Man, I hope he's grateful. Look at him. Yeah. <laughs> You're just giving it to him like by osmosis and reading yes. it out. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think I would read Moby yeah. Dick again <laughs> if it was an audio of you with content warnings. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could do that. <laughs> I didn't realize how weird that book is too. Like long stuff that's just about whales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really long. So much about whales. Yeah. I think that's where I got caught because I got it in college. And once I hit Mm -hmm. the whale chapters, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, there's so much to go. See, in an environment of maximum boredom, though, that's like suddenly kind of appealing. It's like, I'm just literally sitting here with this child who can't speak to me. I'm going to, you know, whales, whales, whales. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, Erin, you missed the opportunity. Yeah. I know I did. Yeah. Yeah. I did not read (laughs) Moby Dick to my kids at all. (laughs) Well, with or without content warnings. (laughs) They would not have gotten it. What do you think as you were, you know, reading when you were younger and ours, as you got a little older, were there particular authors or books that you remember having a moment like, oh, I want to do that. Like, that's what I want to do in the future. Really good question. I feel like the first, 
I guess like a couple examples come to mind. I mean, one is Eudora Welty, where I don't even know if I consciously had the thought like I'm going to do that. But I read a ton of her short stories. Like my mom is a big fan of hers. And so she gave me these short stories. And I think I even like had English teachers also like I feel like why I live at the PO that story is like anthologized a lot. I came across it like kind of early um, and June recital. I remember um, and and those stories like I remember like I don't know if I consciously was like I want to do that but I started writing short stories when I was like in high school or late junior high school you know maybe eighth grade and they definitely like was trying to do like a Eudora Welty story type thing a lot um, so that was like one and then when I was old, a little older um, I did um, I read a lot of Neil Stevenson um, and I loved in particular, like the Diamond Age, the Diamond Age has a female protagonist. And it's also like, there's a book in that book that's like really important. Um, and it's sort of this cool, like post-apocalyptic landscape. And I think that was a big, like influence on like what I thought was cool, or like what kind of world building I thought would be fun, I think came from that book. Thinking a little bit more about your reading life now, uh, how many books would you say are on your to be read pile? And are there a few you can share? <laughs> so many right now I feel like um yeah I mean like a couple reasons like I feel like the supply of books I want to read has gone up and also my time of reading has gone down um so like supply has gone up because like for a lot of reasons like one I think like when you have a book come out then you like find out about all the books that came out like alongside yours and you're excited mm -hmm. about them so I've been like definitely buying up a lot of of like Jan Feb 2021 books. Um, and then obviously like time has gone down because pandemic, like I'm lucky enough to like have my kid back in daycare now, but like he's been in and out and I'm also working and I had a book come out. So it's like the, the pile, the pile grows and grows and like doesn't shrink enough. Um, but yeah, I mean like some of the biggest ones, I still haven't read Detransition Baby. I really want to read it. Mm -hmm. um, I still haven't read The Prophets. Really want to read that. Um, I really want to read Art is Everything by Ixta Maya Murray that also came out in January. Um, mm -hmm. Emily Layden's All Girls I have and I want to read and I haven't read it yet. Um, yeah, I mean, we could, there, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like Erin has said in the past, purely selfish. It just makes mm -hmm. us feel better. Yeah, we have this huge list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's literally I mean, I the only from last have. year. Yeah, no, I have some from last year too. Like I got like like Luster. I still haven't read Luster, like this huge book that everyone's talking about. I really want to read it. Like beautiful cover, it's sitting there. I will I will definitely read it um at some point soon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so many books like that. Yeah. Same. Of the of the books that you know, uh, of whatever time period the last, you know, a couple months, the last year that you've been able to get to, have there been any that have surprised you recently? Surprise me. Good, good question. Um, yeah, I mean, so I actually, um, I mean, one of the cool things about um, like being like being a writer and being connected to writers is like getting to read books before they come out. I know, you know, when you're involved in like a podcast, you also like sometimes you get to do that. And it's like a cool, a cool perk. Mm -hmm. um, so I just finished a book called God Spare the Girls. We got an advanced copy of that too. Um, and mm -hmm. it just kind of started that. Yeah, well, I won't do any spoilers, but it surprised me. I mean, I knew kind of what it was about, but it's also like I just really haven't um, haven't encountered that many books, especially like in the literary fiction space that are about this evangelical megachurch world. Um, and it really delved into that world in an interesting way and also in like a really empathetic way um, that doesn't, um, you know, doesn't sugarcoat 
some of the aspects that could be problematic, but also is really like empathetic toward faith and like really weaves that in as, as an important part of the characters' lives. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, surprised me in showing me a world I didn't know super well and that hasn't been portrayed, at least in the books I've read that much. Um, and also just in sort of the nuanced way that that, that world was approached. I'm very, I was excited. It was on my list anyway. And then once we got the advanced copy, I was like, oh, it's on. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> How do you normally find book recommendations? I feel like a few ways. Um more recently, I've been getting a lot more recommendations from Instagram. I wasn't that active on like Bookstagram for a long time. And then sometime last year, I kind of like got a little bit more active. And, and then with my book being out, it's actually been really nice because it spurred me to like engage a little bit more on Instagram. And I found it really pleasant. Like it's mm -hmm. a really nice community. I mean, I'm also, for, especially for journalism work, I'm also on Twitter and Twitter is like everyone who like you know, is on Twitter at all has like kind of a love hate or hate hate relationship with it. But like, I mean, you guys know, like bookstagram is just a lot more it's positive, like it's nice, people support each other. And it's I've been just like, really impressed with um, the breadth of books that people read, like you'll see someone posting about their favorite romance novel, and then a literary novel, and then like a sci fi novel, like, you know, and then poetry and then essays, like people like really read a broad variety. So I've been introduced to like stuff I wouldn't read from that. Um, and, um, like the other way is really through friends. I mean, I have a lot of writer friends, like I have one friend in particular where I feel like every time I see him, there's always like the part of the conversation that's like, okay, what are you reading lately? Um, you know, what do you, he, he's a big library user. So like, what do you have holds on at the library? So, mm. and then of course, if I have a friend who has a book come out, then I'm reading it. Um, you know, so those are like a few of the ways. And that means a big to be read file. Yeah, lots of files. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you know, we recommended Outlawed, and we also just recommended uh, the Life and Death of Sophie Stark. And oh, thank you. We, yeah, we Aaron discovered you, and now we've both become obsessed. So we <laughs> were wondering, like, are there were there any particular books and authors that sort of inspire your writing, maybe overall, or for, in particular, Outlawed? Yeah, so there were a few inspirations for Outlawed. Um, I didn't, um, before I started writing it, I didn't read a ton of Westerns, mm -hmm. um, even though the book is kind of, it's like a revisionist Western, but I did read some like sort of Western adjacent books um, in particular. So there's two books that were kind of big inspirations. Um, one is this book called Lieutenant Nunn, um, and I actually have it, it's Ooh. just like randomly sitting on my chair. Nice. Um, and it's actually a memoir. It's very short. Um, but it's a memoir by this person named Catalina de Arauso. Um, and this person, and I don't, I never know what pronouns to use, which will become clear the reason why in a second. Um, so this person lived at the end of the 16th century. So the end of the 1500s, I think I get that right. I always, I, I'm, yeah. I'm a full mm -hmm. adult and I can't do the centuries thing, but lived at the end of the 1500s, um, the beginning of the 1600s. Just made me feel Born so much I can't do, I also don't know left and right. So I'm really just, uh, just not I don't, yeah yes thank <laughs> yeah. you um yeah not doing well in some areas um but yeah so the um they're born in Spain um assigned female at birth um sent to a convent because that's what happens to most daughters in the family in the class when they grow up they're sent to a convent to await marriage or if that doesn't happen then they'll just live out their life as a nun but at one point they decide like I don't want to do this anymore cut off all their hair they they sew like some pants out of their nun's habit 
um, and then like adventure around Spain for a minute and then go ship off on a boat to the new world and like basically become an outlaw. So like oh getting God. in fights, doing crimes, um, they start to have, I mean, totally living as a man at this point. So he, he to have some relationships with women. It's kind of unclear if they're sexual or not, but it's a memoir from the 1500s. So you can kind of maybe read between the lines. Um, you know, and, and so just living this life that like could not be imaginable to, you know, maybe that like person who was assigned as a little girl in Spain, you know, however many, you know, 20 years prior. Um, so it's this fascinating story of, you know, just a reminder that like the way that people understand their own gender, like, has never been fixed mm. and that it's not, you know, I mean, who knows, like, we can't know, you know, this is so long ago, even though we have this person's words, we can't know how they would identify today or if they would be trans. I just, I, I found it just, I mean, it's, it's not like, you don't want to be this person like that this, you know, like she's a killer, like he's a killer, like he does crimes, but it's also just like this really interesting take on the outlaw story. And I started thinking about that. Um, and then, um, and then I also got really into um, there's newspaper comics called Crazy Cat. So uh, from the 19 teens and 1920s by George Harriman. Um, and they're sort of like, like people who are really, really into newspaper comics are into these because they were an inspiration um, for like, I think Calvin Hobbes and for a lot of, um, you know, like later cartoonists. Um, my dad actually was really into these and my grandfather even too. So I started reading them and it, it's also like kind of weirdly Western, like it's like it's about a cartoon cat and a cartoon mouse, um, but it's set in like, you know, cartoon Arizona with like red rocks and there's a sheriff named Officer Pup. Um, and it's also has this interesting aspect of gender fluidity. So the cat, crazy cat, um, goes by different pronouns at different times. Sometimes the cat is she, sometimes the cat is he. George Harriman was like pretty committed to this. Like he wouldn't say, you know, like what, he was asked like what gender is the cat? He wouldn't say. Um, and again, this is coming out in like the twenties. Um, wow. So it's this other like, a, it's like kind of a Western, B, it's like kind of the space of gender fluidity. So both that and Lieutenant Nunn were sort of like, they were like my like revisionist Western like influences, I guess. For sure. That's so cool to find those as far, but yeah. And like you said, it's proof that this, this has been around for a long, long time. One of the questions that we like to ask everyone is um, about fan interactions and maybe this is other books since this one came out in a pandemic, but what is one of your most memorable fan interactions? Oh, man. I mean, I've had a lot of good fan interactions in the pandemic, actually, like the best, like, I don't know, like a, a ton have been really nice. But um, one of my favorites is um, someone dressed up their lizard, like in an outlawed outfit, what? like a little hat and a little bandana. Yeah. And put it on Instagram. It's so good. I need to find like, I need to find this account again, but it's so good. <laughs> Oh my God. That's like the best fan interaction I've yeah. ever heard of. Like yeah. the commitment and the creativity. Really so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yes. But that, I've seen I've... a lot of like a lot of pet outfits and it's really bringing me a lot of joy. <laughs> that is so much joy. But the fact that it's not just your everyday cat or dog, it's a lizard. It's oh a no. Lizard. It's better. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It was great. Did you, yeah. um, you know, on maybe past book tours or in the process of, you know, on your journey to publication, were there particular authors that you really wanted to meet and you got to meet? Oh, really good question. I'm trying to think now. It's so funny because I feel like, um, 
I feel like now, like now is when there's like all these authors that I want to meet and I can't like meet them in person right now. Like I really mm-hmm. want to meet Tori Peters. We haven't met. Um, I really want to meet C. Pam Zhang who wrote um, How Much of These Hills is Gold. And like, we're actually going to do an event together, but it's going to be Zoom. like, I'll, I'll meet her yeah. like, you know, on the screen. I mean, I remember when my first book came out um, and I met Charles Yu, um, who actually had blurred my first book. And I was Ooh, really excited. Yeah. Because I loved his for book um you know and then now obviously i love interior chinatown so much and we were able to do an event together um for outlawed but i remember it was really cool to meet him um back you know when america pacifica came out and i think it was like before he like now he writes for tv also um but i i think then that he was like maybe still working as a lawyer and i remember just like talking to him about that and like oh right like yeah he he has a job like i have a job like writers have jobs Um, yeah you know when i was in school you know, met writers that way, um, which was interesting. I mean, um, you know, like Marilyn Robinson was our teacher at school and that was fascinating because she's just like very much a presence, um, you know, and just very sort of erudite and like certainly like carries herself with a lot of gravitas. Um, You know, I mean, Elizabeth McCracken was my teacher too. And, um, you know, just really um, like she gave me some like, some advice for like novel writing that still sticks some of it like haunts me like I remember she once said like um <laughs> like the good is the enemy of the best and I think I maybe even asked about her asked, asked her about this later like I was like this this really haunts me is that even true and I'm not sure if she remembered it um but like it's not always true like sometimes you have to like just move on mm-hmm. but it is like good advice sometimes I'm like mm, yeah the good is the enemy of the best yeah. <laughs> festivals are always so much fun like I remember like probably the most fun I had for the Sophie Stark tour was there's a festival in France called Festival America where they bring a lot of American writers um it was also like really fascinating to see like what what kinds of American books are like really popular in France yeah like westerns are really popular like detective stories are really popular like it felt like there's like a certain idea of Americanness that was like popular um you know and like there were definitely like writers there that I was just really excited to meet um you know but also it was like just like a way to connect with like a ton of other writers like maybe I hadn't even read their books before but you're just hanging out and like you know sharing stories and talking about like what's fun what's hard I remember I was like thinking about whether you know we were gonna have a kid and I remember talking to like some of the writers there who are moms and like that was really helpful um so sometimes it's not even about you know like wanting to meet someone that's like the most famous writer or whatever yeah. but just actually like swapping stories and that I really miss that like festivals like can be nerve-wracking but it can be so fun and nice and like I hope that stuff comes back you know yeah for sure um also if France likes westerns then they must be a fan of Outlawed I hope so I mean, it, I I hope it, it it has sold in France. I don't know when it comes Excellent. out though. I feel like, um, you know, with COVID, like all the publication dates, especially like foreign yeah. dates, are really like up in the air. But but I hope. How would you say? And you mentioned this a little bit in getting books, more books. But how would you say your reading has changed since you became an author? Mm, good question. I feel like sometimes I have to struggle to like just read a book as a fan and not read it Mm -hmm. as like trying to get tips or like, Ooh, I'm jealous. You know, like often when something's really good, I do just like lose myself in it. And I'm not like 
like, oh, I'm so jealous or like, oh, I would have done this differently. Like it's worse. In some ways, it's actually harder with nonfiction. Like I, I struggle now. Like when I'm reading like those long form New Yorker stories, I'm always like, oh, how'd she get that quote? Or like, oh, I would have edited this differently or whatever. Huh. Um, novels, it's still easier for me to like lose myself, um, you know, but there's definitely times you know, when, when I notice myself like talking shop in my head and I kind of have to be like, just, just enjoy it. Like, it's okay. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's also like, this is bad, but I feel like there's this, like, especially now in the pandemic, like you're always behind, or at least I'm always behind. So there's always this desire to like feel productive. And so it's like, I, like when I'm reading, I always want to be like, Oh, am I reading this for an essay? Am I reading this because like, I'm going to do an event with an author, like whatever, whatever. And like, so a lot of the things on my TBR pile that are literally just for fun, like get pushed back and that's kind of bad. So I'm trying trying to work on that, you know, in my head, <laughs> trying to try to work on that, allow myself yeah. to have pleasure in reading. But I can see that being a tough mm-hmm. thing to do when you have multiple, you know, avenues that you're reading for and pleasure takes the last, last spot on the list. Especially we've heard from authors that, you know, they're getting asked to do blurbs. So then I can't imagine reading with that in mind has to be kind of a weird like you know do I like this enough to put my name on it and do I agree with that would be tough I could I would struggle with that for sure I think um totally yeah I mean I didn't do a ton before but increasingly I'm getting asked so that's like yeah very interesting like I feel like a type of reading I haven't totally mastered yet again Mm -hmm. it's cool because like you're reading something really early and like someone like asked you to endorse it which is like really nice and flattering but then it's complicated for all those reasons so yeah. um yeah and I mean this must be something this must be something you guys deal with too just like am I reading this for fun am I reading it for the podcast you know like is that hard I just feel like there's a time pressure like mm-hmm. I put on myself like yeah. all right if I'm not engaged in 50 pages I gotta cut my losses mm-hmm. and I gotta move on yeah, yeah. I know I've, as we've done this, I've had to kind of develop a system where same as Amy, like I didn't get into it right away, but do I totally want to give up on it? Yes, it goes. Or it's just not the right mood right now. So I'm going to set it aside and I might come back to it later. But yeah, there's kind of a pressure of, you know, your reading pace has to be pretty quick. And yeah, there's sometimes things that I enjoy, but either I've recommended a lot of books like that, or it's just purely like a pleasure read for me. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else would like it. I just enjoy it. It's a quiet <laughs> moment. That's it. <laughs> you got to protect those. those quiet yes. moments. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Do you think um, from reading past, present, everything, do you think that there's a book that everyone should read? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a hard question. Yeah. I could name, I think there's a lot of books that like, like are wonderful and should reach a wide a wider audience or are wonderful and like have reached a wide audience and that's great. Like whether everyone it's almost like I don't know if um to say everyone should read something, it feels like it feels like I'm saying the book is like homework or the book is like <laughs> you know, like it has that perp and like maybe with some nonfiction books like how to be an anti-racist or something, like mm-hmm. you could imagine like it actually is okay to say maybe everyone should just read this. Maybe it should be in schools. Um you know, with novels, it's a little bit like, well, the point of this is to be a piece of art and to give you joy. And like, you know, should should it be like homework for everyone, you know, or should it have that put on it of like, this is supposed to change your life, or this is supposed to make you better or smarter. I mean, I can tell you, like, there's books, especially in the last year where it's like, 
I'm so psyched that they've been so widely read. I mean, like The Vanishing Half is a great example where like The Mothers was really widely read and then The Vanishing Half is like even another level. And like, mm -hmm. that's been so exciting to see. And I love that book. Um, I feel like I didn't, like I didn't read that many books in 2020. And that was one of the like few books I actually was able to make time for. And I love The Mothers a lot too. So it was like really like just so exciting to see like her second book. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like books that like I, I think should like reach a wider audience sometimes something that like almost gets like put to the side or thought of as stuffy like I actually like I take a lot of joy from like the Odyssey for example which mm -hmm. is like kind of stuffy and like you know it's certainly like something that like you might think is not that relevant today but like if you read like the Emily Wilson translation for example like it is relevant today in all these weird ways and it does actually mm -hmm. sort of deal with gender and race and like there's all this stuff in it that you sort of like wouldn't think so something I love and like return to a lot and I feel like if I was like gonna teach a literature class or something maybe I would teach it and like try to show people like the the sort of like way it can be very modern yeah it's just like a real like it's a really good read it's like if if someone had never read the Odyssey before I should say I would say that's the one you should pick up it came out like two years ago perfect three years ago that's a great choice well, one of the things we talk about at the end of each episode is our current pop culture obsessions so sometimes that's podcast music, TV shows, movies. What's your current pop culture obsession? Oh my gosh. Um, I've been watching a lot of TV during the pandemic, <laughs> like many people. Um, right now I'm watching Warrior, um, which is a real joy. Um, and I mean, like complicated also and like sometimes like upsetting to watch, but um, but you know, it's like it's um set in San Francisco in the 1800s. Um, I mean it actually like I feel like I'm glad I'm watching it now versus when I was writing Outlawed because when I was writing Outlawed, I banned anything that was like even like a little bit of a Western. Like oh. I wouldn't watch Deadwood. I didn't want to be influenced. And like this show does like take place around the same time as like the sort of Outlaw era. And it even has like a Western episode where they like ride horses. Um, but it's actually about um, it's set in San Francisco. It's like primarily set in like Chinese American immigrant communities. And it's about like guys that join like Chinese American gangs in San Francisco and what they do and then like sort of interfacing with the cops and there's also martial arts and fighting um there's also like really interesting female characters um and it's like a lot of fun um yeah it's um that that's my my recommendation for right now and how I'm spending my what little free time I have that's terrific because I keep seeing HBO Max keeps trying to push that to me and I didn't know mm -hmm. what it was about that's a great description yeah <laughs> yeah i love it it's, I no it's, very, it's it's dark but it's a lot of fun awesome okay. well there we go aaron another hbo max i know so, i'm obsessed i don't know when list. they're gonna pay me to start talking about this that's <laughs> all i do is talk about hbo max. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there yeah Oh, Erin. Yeah. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. I like talking to her. I did too. She had a lot of good things to say. Can we talk about the Moby Dick? Yeah, because I had never thought about such an approach and how it might make it better. I had not at all. It had never occurred to me with any of my children to read it to them <laughs> and then also give them content warnings, which might be my favorite thing that anyone's ever That's said. terrific. Hey, bud, this is going to be racist. Yeah. So just... <laughs> Just, be okay with it. Yep. Yeah. Keep it in context and we'll move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was 
she had me at Moby Dick, which is a phrase I never thought never I'd say. Never thought we'd say. And no. even to the point of like liking the wailing chapters because, you know, what else are you going to do? She's nursing. And yeah. She's going to tell her kids about whaling. I also love the idea that the author of Moby Dick, the way that his I... book makes sense is while a female is nursing a child <laughs> and also giving him content warnings. That's the best place for your book. It really is. He yeah. would have never imagined that and probably would have shuddered to think about it. Yeah. Well, and here, here we, we are. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked how she summed up reading right now and in the past year that supply is up and time is down or mental energy is down. Yes. You know? Yes. And also this pressure that we feel to be productive during the pandemic. So it makes us sort of hasty with our reading. And we've talked about that a lot, but I think we've thought about it more in the like, we got only so many books to, or we got so many books yeah. to recommend and so little time. But I think there's also that pressure of like, well, got to make use of all your time. Yes, absolutely. Got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. There was so much about that that was relatable. And so much. Kind of hit on feelings that I hadn't really put words to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She also brought up a book that I loved recently, God Spare the Girls. The timing is terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Such great synergy. (laughs) (laughs) I like that she loves Instagram as a positive book place because that's what I kind of like about it too. Yeah. I I like going there for certain things. I like SNL clips. Mm -hmm. I like other comedians. Mm -hmm. I like uh, body neutral messaging. Mm -hmm. And I like me some books. Oh, and also cats. And cats, I was going to say. There Lots seems of cats. to be a part Yeah, I forgot it. about that. Mm-hmm. Cats, animals, really. Interspecies love yes. is what I'm a big fan of on Instagram. I think that's so, good. So, yeah. I can tell you one thing that I would have loved to see on Instagram, hmm. which was the lizard dressed up for Outlawed. I loved that so much. I love that story. It's maybe one of the best fan interactions we've ever heard of. Yeah. The dedication that that takes is, one, inspiring, mm-hmm. and two... That person is incredibly creative. Yeah, like where do you come up with that idea? Yeah. To spot your lizard and be like, you're perfect. Yeah. You're a perfect model. Done. We're yeah. dressing you up as outlaw. And <laughs> to have the courage to send that to the author. That's a good point. Because I wouldn't. I'd be like, this is great. And then I would send it to you and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and other people need to see that. Yeah, and look at how much she loved it. She it loved was such it so much that she her. brought it up yes. to us. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. well done, you that dressed up your lizard. Yeah, we hope you you listen because we like listeners like you. Yes, we want more. So all of you, dress up your pets as your favorite book characters. (laughs) Whoa, you had a look of like, oh shit. I just, well, that's a floodgate we want to open, but we did. So (laughs) here we go. Send them in. (laughs) The look of just sheer terror on your face was something. Maybe it was more like you you were thinking like, oh, no, now she's going to start dressing up the podcats. No, I don't no? feel like you would do that. No, I don't think so either. Because we're already having a problem with her pissing in boxes just because they're mad at me about things. Yeah. If I put them into clothes, there would be just piss all over the house. I also feel like because you are a good advocate of the body positivity movement, yes. you would in no way ever want to put them in something that they weren't feeling. That's a or good Or didn't make them feel good, good about themselves. And they are very comfortable in their bodies as they are. Yeah. You don't want to bring shame to that. No. Yeah. Yeah. So there we are. That's, That's why we're not dressing up the podcasts. That is the only reason. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I really talked, or I really liked too, how she talked about, 
the joys of connecting with other writers, and that's been something that's maybe missing from the last year, and mm. especially when she's launching a book. Mm-hmm. You know, just not just the part about getting to meet people that you admire, but sort of figuring out from other people, how do you do this thing? How do you make this work in your life, especially if you're a parent? Like, I, I like that idea that I feel like I do that with with other writers, and I like that, you know, even Anna North does it and yeah. values that and wishes for it to come back. I really like to, that's something that this series has done wonders for in terms of making you realize again that authors are people. Mm-hmm. Like you get so excited about authors because you love their works and personally books can mean so much to you sometimes that they get put up on this pedestal. Not that their work doesn't deserve that, but you almost lose sight of the fact that they're humans too and yeah. going through the same emotions like, is my book going to do well? What's happening? And having that that community and connection in any aspect is always a benefit. But yeah. I always like hearing about that. It makes you feel, you know. Like, Definitely. Yeah. And especially when so many of the writers that we've talked to have, you know, kind of bared their soul in their writing and to have that support of other writers who are doing the same thing and are feeling pretty vulnerable too like that has to be very valuable yeah absolutely let's hope for better times in the future more writing festivals in person yes all that kind of stuff yes yeah it's coming it's coming well you know what else is coming next wednesday it's one of our regular weekly themed episodes so get excited in the meantime happy reading up again same night another dream before trying this recording thing i didn't remember much of anything of these dreams i didn't remember much from any of the women and one night of doing this and it's broken things open the dreams are they're in me and they're they're coming out of me and to me i am not broken i am the most whole most real Cause their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.